You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. But today we're going we're gonna to wrap up our series here on the blessed life. And we, we spent the first week and we talked about how generosity always flows from the heart. It's a heart issue. Jesus always goes back to trying to tell us about our heart because our heart guides everything that we're doing. He says guard it because when things get in there, it, it can cause a lot of havoc for us. It can cause a lot of problems for us. And so he says, you know, generosity flows from our heart. So we know that if somebody is like, I'm just not a generous person, it's a heart issue, right? Everything goes back to the heart. And so we kind of dove into that in, in week one. And then week two and, and week three, we, we hit a topic that people just don't like to talk about. And, and that was financials. It was money, right? And I, and I hope that you've been challenged. I hope that you have seen uh, what the scripture has to say about it. I, I hope that you've heard from the Holy Spirit on what you need to do about that. And, and I hope you heard my heart as your pastor when it comes to giving. But today, the other piece of that is when we talk about generosity, it's not just in our financials. It's also in giving our lives to serve. Serve for a greater cause. What greater thing could you give your life to than the cause of Jesus? Knowing that we're, we're working for the Heavenly Father who created everything, and He's using us to usher in the kingdom of heaven. There's so many other ways that He could have done that. I could think of a hundred other people that He could use besides me that would be better at it, but He chooses to use me. He chooses to use you to help usher in his kingdom and he does that through us being servants um, when we think about serving I, I just want to kind of throw a disclaimer out here because anytime you hear these messages when you hear the message on money your mind automatically goes well here's that sermon about how I need to give money to the church now we didn't talk about that right I was stayed honest to that I didn't tell you that you need to start giving 45 percent of your salary I'm going to tell you the same thing with serving don't get locked in thinking that it's only about serving in the church. That's an, that's an important part. We believe that serving in the church is important. But if you're serving here and you're not serving the outside of this community, you're not serving your neighbor, you're not serving your coworkers, you're not serving your family, then what good is it doing that you're serving back here in our kids' area or back here in our production area or on our worship team or greeters or at the desk? What good's that doing? Because it's not going outside of this room. When it stays in here, it's just a club. But we are a church on mission, and our mission doesn't just stay within the four walls of this building. It goes out into this community, and it points people and introduces people to Jesus. So as we talk about serving, open your horizons a little bit and think about your world, the world that you live in, of how you can serve in those areas. The, the word servant appears 1,100 times in the Bible. I think maybe we can go out on a limb here and just take a shot at this and say that word might be important, right? 1,100 times the word servant appears in the Scripture. And when, when it's using this word ser servant, one of the main places that we see as an illustration of servanthood is here in John chapter 13. And, and I want to walk us through some Scriptures here and we're going to read it, and then I'm going to just give you some thoughts today. And I'll just give you a heads up. Some of these thoughts might be on your fill-in-the-blank, and some of them might not be. Um, there have been some changes that have happened as I've processed this. But, but let's start in John 13. He says, it was 
just before the Passover festival. So every year, the Jewish people would gather in Jerusalem. They would come from all over the, the known world at that time. They would come in to the Passover festival. So Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem. And it says, Jesus knew that his hour had come. It had come for him to leave this world, to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He's talking about his disciples. He loved these guys. It said the evening meal was in progress. It's the, the Last Supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, who was the son of Simon Iscariot. Y'all know Jesus had a brother named Judas too? That was a bad name to have, right? What's your name, Judas? Not that one. Um, but he had already gotten this message to portray Jesus. He says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all these things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Jesus knew who he was. There was no question about it. He knew who he was and why he was here. So listen to this, verse 4. So he got what? He got up. He got up from the mill. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet. He was drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, I remember going to youth group, and any time that this message was presented, somebody would bring out the bowl, and they would want to wash your feet. And I would find every reason to have to go to the bathroom. I was Because I don't like people messing my feet, right? Like, I don't. I'm just not. That's, anyway, um, that's my therapy. Verse 7, Jesus replied, telling Peter, you do not realize now what I'm doing. You don't understand this right now. But later, you're going to understand this. You're going to get it. And Peter says, no, you shall never, ever wash my feet. He's anxious to say this is not going to happen. And look at why. He says, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Like, if, if I don't serve you and you don't serve back, you have no part. And then he said, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Like, don't just wash my feet. Just go and wash everything. And Jesus answered, those who have had a, a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. And are you clean? They're not every one of you, but are you clean? And he says in verse 11, for he knew that Judas was going to betray him. And that's why he said not everyone was clean. By the way, Jesus washed Judas' feet too. He washed Judas' feet too. Judas is at the table because Judas had to eat too. So you got to serve even your enemies, even the ones that you know, even the ones that you know are about to bring extreme pain, and Judas is going to sign his death certificate. And Jesus in the final hours of his life, and he's washing the feet of Judas. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes. He returned to his place at the table. He says, do you understand what I've done for you, he asked him. Notice, when Jesus teaches, it's always with questions. Like when we teach, it's always with information. But notice, Jesus is always asking the questions to create the tension because the Holy Spirit works in the tension of what you're dealing with to try to answer that question. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, you also need to wash one another's feet. He says, I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent me. Now that you know these things, 
listen to this, now that you know these things, you will be, what's that word? Blessed if you do them. What is Jesus trying to say here? I mean, this is the final hours of his life, and he's serving. He's serving his people. He's serving those that he loves. And it says that if we do this, we will be blessed. Now, it's important here because you can read this and misinterpret of going, oh, so if I wash people's feet, God just gives me a lot of money. I get a private jet. I get a Rolls. I get a Rolex. I get all kinds of stuff. Like you walk in here with your big gold chains next weekend. You've got to understand this word in the context that it was written, which was in the Greek. And this word blessed here, when Jesus says, if you do these things, you will be blessed. That word in the Greek is called makurios. Makurios. And here's what it means. Have you ever done something, like in your job, like some of you have a job and you're thinking, this is what I was made to do. You love going to your job. You love what you do. You feel fulfilled. You ever done something that when you got finished doing whatever that thing was, you felt like you felt fulfilled, like I could do this for the rest of my life? Anybody ever had that? That's what this word means. It's not just happy. Like you're going to be, like if you do these things, you'll be happy. There's this internal, like I was made to do this. Like deep down in your gut, there's this excitement that I get to do this. So, so what Jesus is saying is that when we serve other people, we're blessed, or when we serve other people, we find our purpose. We find out what our purpose is because it brings us joy. And serving is all about letting go. It's not about hoarding and taking in. It's about getting from God and handing off. We're, we're the conduit that's just passing along the blessings of God to other people. And he says, if you do those things, you'll be blessed. You will be blessed. Now, there are two critical lessons for us to learn here. And the number one, when we read this story, is we got to understand critical lesson number one is about awareness. you got to be aware of what's going on. We, we've got to be focused on the things that are happening around us because we can get so caught up in our little worlds that we miss the bigger picture of what's happening around us. So there has to be, there has to be this awareness. You know, I, I did some um, training with, with the state law enforcement division a few years ago, and one of the things that they taught us was situational awareness. Always being aware of your surroundings, right? And when you take that class, you can't do anything normal anymore because you start to get worried about every little thing. Like, what was that noise when I'm unlocking my door? Or what kind of weapon can I choose from this table when I'm eating at the Applebee's in case somebody comes in? Which is probably a more appropriate question to ask in the Waffle House. But you got to have this awareness. you got to have this awareness. And the only way that we get this awareness is spending time with Jesus and hearing from him so that our eyes can be open to the spiritual things that are going around, on, around us. Because everything around us is spiritual. We, we, we operate from the spiritual. I mean, what we see in, in our media, what we see in our community, the problems that we have, it's all spiritual. It's the enemy wreaking havoc in our community. The things that we've seen in our local high schools, that's the enemy. It's not an administration. The administration's not the enemy. The parents are not the enemy. The students that are involved are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And you've got to be aware of that. And when you can be aware of the spiritual, you can serve better. Because you can be better equipped to know what you're up against and how to help. And, and Jesus has given them this, this awareness. This is why he says, do you know why I'm doing this? Do you know why I'm serving you? And he gives them, and I'm sure that there were answers that came back and, 
And, and people had their, their opinions, and, and he tells them, like, you, you're doing this because this is what you do. I did this for you, now go do this for other people. Go serve other people. So there, there, has, to be, there has to be this awareness. You know, serving isn't just about, like, getting on, on uh, you know, serving the homeless or, or going on the mission field. Serving can also be aware of the situations that happens with your family. You, you can have a friend who's just having an awful bad day, and part of your serving is going and providing emotional and spiritual support for them, praying with them, taking them out for a cup of coffee and just letting them talk through their issue. That's serving. You didn't think about that, did you? The neighbor beside you, you can cut their grass. That could be serving. You've got some leftover pine straw, you give it to them. It's serving, right? There, there are all kinds of ways for us to, to serve people and, and share kindness with people, but, but understand that when we're doing this, we're doing it from the place of Jesus. We're not just giving people things to make them feel better. Like, so if we, we understand that we, we clothe people. We give people clothing. We give people food. But if we don't give them Jesus, they go to hell hung, uh, full and warm, right? And so there's, there's a bigger piece of this. So you've got to have an awareness in this teaching, as, as Jesus is saying, be aware. Here's the other thing. Timing is everything. Timing. When's the right time to do this? Jesus chooses to do this specific thing hours before his death. Hours before his death. He, this is the moment that, he, that he, he takes advantage of it. Now, wouldn't you agree with me that timing's everything? I remember my first date with my wife, Allison. We went and saw Pearl Harbor, romantic movie things being bombed and all kinds of stuff. It was a great love story. I chose that movie because it was like three hours that I was going to be able to sit with her through the movie. Went to Outback. Just really stepped my game up. Blooming onion. You want an appetizer? Yes, we do. We're going all out tonight. <laughs> and we got, got home and I was dropping her off and I looked at her and said, it's our first date. I said, girl, I love you. She said, I like you too. <laughs> Timing is everything. It was not the right time. Because I remember having this conversation. Like, you never tell me that you love me. She said, because it ain't time. I don't know that. Right? I, I would not. I was right, by the way. Just so we're aware. But I would not recommend that tactic to anybody. Because that timing could have been really bad of going, hey, it was nice. Uh, don't call me again. So timing's everything. If we have awareness, and here's how we get that awareness, by the way, is in our prayer time. In our prayer time. And the Bible says that like we sit on watchtowers, and, and we're scanning. When we are praying, our radars are scanning. When we're praying for people, when we're praying uh, for situations, when we're praying for opportunities, like our radar is going off. And then when those things happen, the Holy Spirit goes, there's the prayer, there's the person, there's the conversation, there's what you need to do. And so we have this awareness, and when we have it, and we're paying attention to everything, the timing happens when the Holy Spirit tells us, boom, here's the conversation. Like I've been in moments to where I just prayed, I knew what God asked me to pray for, I just prayed it, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but then the timing would be right. I couldn't rush it. I had to be patient on what he told me to do, and then it would just be right. Now I was, 
um, sitting in a, a Japanese restaurant years ago when we first moved here, and I was sitting talking to my wife, and we were having uh, food, dinner, and she's saying something to me, and I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say, there's a woman sitting behind you, go tell her peace surpasses all understanding. And I'm thinking, I'm not doing that because I don't want to go to jail. I just moved here. But I couldn't shake it, and I told Allison, I said, I'm sorry, one second. I got up, walked to her table, and said, you don't know me, but I'm sitting there, and I felt the Lord tell me that peace will surpass all understanding, that you're supposed to hear that. And she said, my husband died this morning, and it's just me. Timing. Timing. It's all about hearing from God and and getting the timing. Like, he will give you the words to say in the moment, but you've got to be aware that, yes, I am sitting in a restaurant, but God is still at work in this restaurant. I am, I am at my job. God is still at work in this job. They may say that God can't be here, but God is here. They can't just kick him out because he is everywhere. He's omnipresent, and I've got to be aware where he's at work. And then when I know where he's at work, I've got to be willing to jump in the moment to do the things that he calls me to do. Let me give you a couple of Thoughts. If you don't learn how to serve in the secret, you won't be able to serve in the public. And I say this because if you can't learn to serve behind the scenes, you're not going to be very good at serving in front of everybody. Because humility happens behind the scenes. Sometimes we're too quick to give platforms that don't need to be given. Right? And so we got to be willing to serve in the secret. There are some things that I know some of you have done. That you've served and you never said a word about it. You didn't want anybody knowing. And it was amazing things that you've done. And you just did it. And you didn't do it in the name of Together Church. You did it in the name of Jesus. And somebody's life was changed. I love it. I love it. I love finding out that things happened from people in this church that I didn't even know about. That blessings were, were being given. Because that's learning how to, to serve in the secret. This is why we, we will not trade big checks of how we've given thousands of dollars to people. Because we do it in the secret. Not let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. Like we want to be a blessing for blessing's sake, because of God. If we give a if we want to give a big donation to somebody, we want to do a big serve project, then we'll post a picture of Jesus and we'll celebrate that. You good with that? That'd be hopefully it gets more likes than the other stuff that we post online. But it's all good. My identity's not hung on that. So Jesus calls us in the secret and in the public. He calls every one of us as Christ followers to serve. This is what we're called to do. I mean, he's given us this example right here in John 13. We're to serve. We're to serve people, to follow his example of what we do, of what he does. And this, this is what I call embracing the calling, embracing the calling of Jesus. Because in, in the very last words that Jesus gives us as he's leaving, he tells us that we are to make disciples of all nations, and we're to teach and train and baptize people. But that You don't teach and train and baptize if you don't serve. Those things are all connected to serving. You've you got to be able to give of yourself to embrace the calling of Jesus. You can start churches and not embrace the calling of Jesus, and those churches will die. Because unless you know that we are here to serve one another and serve our greater community with the gospel, then you die. Here's another thought. If you don't learn how to if you don't learn how to learn and learn how to love and learn how to serve the house of God, it's not going to do anything outside of here. This is this is your ground to serve with other believers that when you're serving within the house of God, you're being strengthened, your skills are being strengthened, 
Your spiritual conversations are being strengthened. Your spirituality in Christianity, your, your, your knowledge in that, your spiritual growth is happening. And then you leave here and step out on this mission field that's out here, and you're better. You're better in serving because you, you've, been, you've been awakened to it. What about this? If you don't learn how to serve in the insignificant, not every serve thing has to be some major project where we have sign-ups. It doesn't. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to do that. I said it a minute ago, you can serve through your encouragement. You can serve through making that phone call. You can serve through texting. It, it is just giving of yourself to somebody else. You've got to learn how to serve in those small areas. So here's my question to you. How is your heart when it comes to serving? Is this something that, that you fight? Is this something that, you know, you, you, you got to check your heart. Because if this is, if generosity is a heart thing, we have to check and go, why, why am I not serving or why am I serving? Because if you're saying I'm serving, you still have to ask that question because can't we be serving for the wrong reasons? Because we can serve and go, hey, look, look what I've done. I've checked my list off. I went back in the kids' area and I, I, I did an hour. I got it. I set up a piece of drape. I got it. Like, we got to check our hearts on why we serve. And, and so I think that's important because it's the, the heart is the beating cause of Christ. Serving is the beating cause of Christ of our hearts. It's what, it's what drives us. Look at John 13 in verse 4. I, I think this is a, one of the most important pieces of the scripture. But it says, with Jesus, so he got up. He got up. He got up from this meal and he took off his outer clothing and he wrapped this towel around his waist. He got up. Here's a couple of traits for you for serving. You have to have a willingness to get involved. Because what happens in church settings especially, we have been invited to a feast and we sit at the Lord's table and we feast. And we can get so comfortable at the Lord's table with anything that we need and the provisions being right in front of us and the blessings being right in front of us that we can often forget to get up from the table to go serve somebody else. That we can get so comfortable in the blessing that we forget that this is not just us, this is, this is about other people. There, there's a time that we've got to be willing to get up. You gotta be able to get, you're going to have to sacrifice when it comes to serving. Serving is never free. It costs somebody something, time, some talents that you have, some financials that you have. There's, there's always some emotions. There, there, there's a cost to it. So you've got to be willing to get involved. That's the first trait of a servant. We saw this in Jesus. He got up from the table. And of all people, he's the one that got up and initiated the washing of these feet, the dirtiest job that was there. They had servants for this, by the way. They had servants that were in the room, that were serving the feast, that were responsible for making sure everything was taken care of. And the creator of the universe stoops down and humbles himself to serve. So it starts with giving up. You also, another trait is you got to see people beyond where they are through the grace and mercy of Christ. This is the, this is the humility. It's the humility of well, I don't think that person's good enough. I don't, I don't, they're, they're too far gone. Can we just all agree that there's nobody that's too far gone? Because the grace of Jesus exceeds everything. 
and it will find you in the deepest, darkest spot and will pull you out and revive your soul. Because that's the God that we serve. We have to stop seeing people as projects. People aren't projects. They are children of God, sons and daughters of the King. And if we can get that perspective with people, that God created them, they're a little broken right now. But I heard this quote years ago, and it's always stuck with me. Broken crayons still color. They still color. And they make beautiful pictures because they paint the picture of redemption of, of who God is and what God has done. We've we got to be able to, to see people where they are. Serving also goes low to bring people up. And the only way that we can bring people up is, again, we have to be involved. We, we live in a country to where we get so comfortable in where we are that we forget about the people down and we want to give handouts instead of helping people with hand ups. And as, as, a, as God does, it's all about pulling people up, pulling them out of the mess, meeting him where he is. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's like you can be in your absolute lowest point and God comes and just picks you right out of it. And you, and you find yourself one day going, how did I get here? I think about when I was a kid and I would fall asleep on the couch watching a movie at night. And I'd wake up the next morning and I'm in my pajamas, in my bed. It's like, how did that happen? Well, my father scooped me up and took care of me and got me from point A to point B and put me where I needed to be. That's, that's what happens when we're serving. Serving is more like us being a waiter, looking for opportunities, like a good waiter, by the way, looking for opportunities, filling, filling every cup when it's low. See, serving really is easy. It's finding a need that somebody has and filling that need. They, they need some encouragement. I can do that. That tire needs to be changed. I can do that. The grass needs to be cut. I know somebody that can do that. You might be a resourcer. I don't know. Maybe your spiritual gift is connecting other people who can do the job for other people. That's serving too. But in Philippians 2, Paul writes this. He says that don't just look out for your own interests, but you also got to look out for the interests of other people. You got to look out for the interests of other people. Because when we do this and, and we notice, we're, we're noticers. And if, if we're noticing other people, it's because the Holy Spirit showed us those people. And he gives us the words to speak to those people. And he gives us the skills that we need and the connections that we need to minister to those people through our serving. And, and sometimes that means that serving goes low to help bring people up and bring them up to Jesus. Because we have this gravitational pull to be selfish, don't we? we have, it's just a, gra especially like this time of year, it's like, no, I can't spend anything. I can't do anything. I don't have any time. I've got every weekend is booked from now to New Year. I can't do. And we can, we can get selfish. We learn this as kids. If you don't believe this, when you go to lunch today, take some food off your kid's plate. Watch how selfish they get. No, that's my fry. <laughs> I pay for it. You can teach them about tithing. Take 10% of their fries today at lunch. It'll be all right. Here's the, here's the last point in that, of a trait. You've got to be willing to get messy to make a difference. Because there's some situations that you're going to serve in that are going to be really messy. Because people are messy. 
The church has missed it. The, the Bible actually says that, that where the oxens are, the, the, barn's, the barn's messy. It's dirty. We want a mess here. We're okay with a mess here. Because we're not intimidated by the mess because we serve a, a great God who can clean the mess up. We, we want a mess. We don't want to be a church that has no mess in it. Because if there's no mess, there's no oxen. It's just an empty barn. Serving is never convenient for us. We, we, we got to be willing to get in the mess to make a difference. I'll never forget, my, I was in junior high school, and we went on this youth trip to North Carolina. And I was really, really, really trying to be that junior, you know, that, that middle schooler that was trying to impress the high school guys. Because I really wanted to fit in the high school guys. And I figured the van ride going up would be the time for me to really, like, make my mark. So they wanted to hang out with me the whole time because they all had the same matching T-shirts. They'd all went and got, and I was like, I want to be with those guys, right? Those guys didn't want to be with me. But I was going to do anything I could to impress them. So we're sitting at Orion's. Remember Orion's? Thank you, Jesus. Because and, and the people at Orion's, when they saw the youth vans pull up, you saw them try to run to lock the doors, but it was too late. We were already in and ready to go. And we're sitting there, and I had we had already stopped at the gas station because you know, when you're on a youth trip, you stop at 15 different gas stations on the way, and that's within the first 30 minutes of your trip. And for some reason, it, nobody get out unless you got to use the bathroom. Oh, everybody has to use the bathroom, but everybody comes back with snacks. I was the one that would come back with all the snacks. So I had a big bag of Twizzlers. So we went into Ryan's. I decided I'm going to take my Twizzlers into Ryan's. One of the high schoolers said, hey, you should uh, cut that Twizzler and use it as a straw and drink the milk. Okay, if that's going to help me fit in, then let's do it. I'll see, I'll one-up you. I'll take five of them, and I had a big Twizzler straw, and I just sucked the milk right up through the thing, and they laughed, and we were all good. I'm like, this is going to be a great week at camp. We got about three hours down the road in the mountains, and my ears started popping. My stomach started feeling weird, and I felt like my equilibrium was off because we were just doing this. And I was sitting in the front passenger seat of the van, and we were about two miles from where we needed to be. And I remember looking at my youth pastor and said, hey, I don't think this is going to be good. we got to pull over. He said, no, man, we got it. we got two miles. You're good. Hang in there. I said, I don't think you understand how I feel right now. I've got five Twizzlers and a whole cup of milk. This is not going well. And he said, Robbie, trust me, you're going to be fine. We're going to be there in two miles. You're good. And about that time, I said, I think I can't. And it was too late. In comes my best friend, Michael, who was sitting beside me, who was also in middle school. Um, Michael and I didn't talk for the rest of that week because every, all the milk and the Twizzlers were sitting in Michael's lap. None on me, by the way. It was just on him. What a great friend. My youth pastor said, what happened? And they said, Robbie just threw up. Now my youth pastor's got his head hanging out of the van, gagging, and all of a sudden we're going faster. And we get to this camp, I'd never been there in my life, and we get out, and it, you know, it's like emergency, everybody get out, everybody gets out. And the director of this camp comes up to me, he says, man, you good? I was like, well, I'm, I, I feel better now. <laughs> FYI, don't eat a bunch of Twizzlers and milk on, on a mountain trip. And I remember him taking me and my friend Michael to this stream that was right down this little hill. And this camp director, Bill Dingle, 
began taking water and washing the vomit off with his bare hands. And you know, that stuck with me. This guy didn't know who we were. We didn't even exchange names. But he's taking me down to this creek and cleaning my mess up. Still cleaning my mess up. That was one of the greatest pieces of servant leadership I'd ever seen in my life. Because I can tell you, my youth pastor, I love him, but he wasn't there cleaning the mess up. He was making his own mess on the other side. He just couldn't handle it. But Bill, just taking that moment of just being there in the mess, I didn't have to feel embarrassed about what happened. I didn't have to feel ashamed about what happened. He let me keep my dignity, but he just cleaned the mess up. That next year, when we went back to the same camp, the doors of the van swung open, it was Bill, and we just looked at each other, and he just started laughing. I was like, not this year, not this year. But isn't that what serving is? Like sometimes God's going to call you to situations of helping people through their mess. And we just got to be willing to go, hey, no questions asked, roll up your sleeves, clean up some vomit. Let's go. And point them to Jesus. Because I always tell people I met Jesus by the creek that day. I met him by the creek that day. Look what he says in Matthew 20. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As a ransom for many. That's the example that you and I are supposed to follow. Meeting people in their mess, being willing to do even the insignificant things, because even the insignificant things in the kingdom is so much more, so much more. And that's what we've been called to. Now, we close this series, I want to ask some questions. Because I, 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 I want you to process with me. Where's your heart in serving? Why are you serving? The other question, you may not be serving, so the question I'd follow up with was, why are you not serving? Am I looking for, did I just not know? Why am I giving financially? Why am I not giving financially? Like, explore your heart in those things. 